Welcome in to another edition of Sportball with Squam, Stogie, and Skulldog. I'm your boy, Sam. With me, as always, are these two degenerates, these barbarians. How you guys doing, Seth and Kyle? Doing well. How are you? No I'm complaints. Right. No complaints on this early Sunday morning. You know, I'm usually sleeping for about another six hours, so. Yeah, so if we look if we look disheveled, it's because we had to wake up early because of this dicklet on the left here. Uh, we have a special guest this week coming to us live from India. It's Aditya Sairam. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, Dick Dicklet here. Doing fantastic. <laughs> Pleasure as always. <laughs> For those listeners, all four of them that don't know, we are international, this podcast. Yeah. We reach all parts of the globe. Yeah, yeah. we do. Uh, only India, if though. By all parts, you mean like we have three listeners in Chicago and one listener in India. That's international, baby. Did you stutter? <laughs> <laughs> So if there's a if there's an episode you do with me and Matt uh, and Kevin, does that mean all the listeners are on the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. You think more of our friends would listen, but they're not good <laughs> friends, so they don't. Uh, classic. So, uh, Aditya, how are you doing? You know. You know, uh, I would say I can't complain, but there's a lot of things I can complain about. The chronic. So I'll say. <laughs> oh God, you know that's bad. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm going to go see a doctor about this because it's just, it's getting too much. A chiropractor or otherwise? Otherwise. Uh, that being said, it's going well. Uh, working is good. Um, working I is plan, good. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I plan on finding, maybe finding a job in a different country by 2020. Oh my God. So, the big that reveal. country being USA or North America? Well, I mean, you know, it's North America the top is bad. Yeah, the USA though, you know, I just—it's not great. It's just, you know, me and Trump just don't get along. You know, <laughs> that's fair. I but I feel if that. you do end up moving here by around 2020, there's a wedding that you're for sure invited to. Uh, oh, Which wedding do you think it is? Uh, certainly not yours. No, certainly <laughs> not. But I'm just saying, I'll make sure you get to a wedding at some point. Right. right. Oh, yes. And the true North American experience. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. First of all, I guess it's the first time uh, over a call that I'll be congratulating you, Kyle. So congrats. I appreciate it, baby. Thank you. Very, very sweet pictures. Uh, so I said congrats to Megan before I said congrats to you. So. Yeah, I know. Yes, you do. She's the better half, so. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> All right, so in this podcast, now that we're all caught up or whatever, Jesus. In this podcast, we wanted to talk. We wanted to talk about the NBA trade deadline and just go over all the trades that happened and our thoughts. But first, we got to recap the Super Bowl. You know, for our five listeners who are craving to hear what we think about the game. Uh, it's been a week. We've re- had some time to decompress. Uh, Aditya, let's start with you. You're the guest. You know, American football. You might have heard of it. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think of the Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, <laughs> first of all, uh, uh, first of all, let me just start by saying it was a uh, it was a very underwhelming game. Uh, I kind of zoned out multiple times. I barely followed. Uh, you know, I think every, the only thing this establishes really was that the Patriots are. Nowhere near as dead as previously thought. Tom Brady at 41 is still uh, the best quarterback ever. Some, I think like there's a case now where you can say 
you know, if he wasn't in the Patriots system, he wouldn't be as good as he is now. So the argument of whether he's a system quarterback uh, is, I think, more at a high now than ever before. But that doesn't stop the GOAT conversations. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, mean, we'll never know, right? Yeah, we'll never know. Exactly. Otherwise, uh, very defensively good game. Julian Edelman is MVP. I'm just... Uh, I know they always have to give it to an offensive player, but I felt like it should have gone to... You know anybody on the Patriots defense? The entire they were, defense they were front. Phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were they were phenomenal. I don't, are you allowed to curse on this podcast? Yes. What kind of, of question is that? All right, they were freaking phenomenal. So. You already said your name was Dick Dicklet earlier, and you said <laughs> you can swear. Well, Dick is allowed on national TV. Dicklet though? No. <laughs> Kyle, what are your thoughts? Um. So I was. Actually, pretty pleased with the outcome. Um, obviously, I prefer the Rams to win, but I bought into one uh, one square and twenty five dollar buy in, and the Patriots got me seven hundred fifty dollars in the second quarter. And if Belichick had the balls and would have just converted that fourth down at the end of the fourth quarter instead of kicking a field goal, I would have walked away with another seven fifty. So I'm pretty pissed about that. Um, that's just me being greedy. You know, um, on the good side, though, because they made that field goal, Megan ended up winning 200 bucks. Oh, so kind so of a win-win, except yeah. I didn't see that 200. So, right. um, so not a win for you. <laughs> no, but I have to say, it, you it's know, win loss. Right. <laughs> but um, I thought, you know, we all went into this expecting it to be a offensive game, kind of a shootout. At least that was my expectations. And it seemed to be a lot of people's. And it was really surprising to see it be just like a defensive uh, stalwart. Stalwart? Is that a word? Uh, It seems like it's the right word. Stagnation? Something like that, you know? A nation of Uh, stalwarts. Stalwarts. Just a bunch of deer running around? Yeah. But uh, I'm in 100% agreement with Aditya that the fact that, I mean, I understand Edelman went, what, 10 catches, 141 yards or something like that. Nearly nice. maybe come back in our but, fantasy league, but, you know. Yeah, but the thing was, that game's not won if it's not the Patriots defense, you know, stepping up. Particularly the McCourty twins and um, Stephen Gilmore with that huge interception. So, I think yeah. de- any defensive player should have at least got one vote for that MVP although they didn't for some reason. Um, But overall, you know, it just confirms the fact that Belichick is the greatest to ever do it, you know, on the sidelines of a football game. Uh, I was reading a bunch of reports after the game, and so what Belichick did basically with that defense was, you know, they were running um, man defense almost all the year, and then they got to the Super Bowl and realized – um, or were they running his own defense? Once oh my I... God, are we about to witness in podcast research in the first 10 minutes? Very rare. <laughs> yeah, no, I was right. So he, he ran the majority of the year. They were running man defense, and he figured the best way to stop McVay um, from watching all the games is switch to his own defense. So basically just on the fly in a matter of two weeks, he got his defense down pat with the – no pun intended with the down pat um, – with zone defense, and it really, you know, looked like it flustered McVeigh, and you know he didn't have he didn't have what it took. To, I heard too that to um, I heard that 
I can't remember the exact formation, but there was a formation they pulled out uh, many times on that game-winning drive, that touchdown, the one touchdown drive they had, where um, they had like a heavy set of like Gronk and another tight end and Devlin, their fullback, but they split them all out wide. Um, and it was the first time that they'd have, they never even practiced that <laughs> formation before. <laughs> yeah. But they were talking on the sideline, and Bill's like, I think we should try this. It might work. They're like, okay, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then <laughs> they just drove for a touchdown. So that like, that's like, the sort of thing that, that like Bill does and Sean really didn't do during that game, right, is just kind of adjust on the fly. And that's that's why he throws something new in every Super Bowl, right? And that that's why he always catches teams off guard. It's crazy. Like, I remember watching a video clip um, earlier this season where uh, there was breaking down – I can't remember what game it was, but they were breaking down a couple plays from the game. And it was one formation, Belichick ran a play – and they targeted, like, Julian Edelman on it. And they noticed something that the defense was doing on that play. So he just had all the offensive team come during the game and redrew up the same play, but, like, reversed it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that just shows, like, he's not just, like, game planning and executing, but he's making adjustments in-game more so than most coaches, which, you know, that's going to be hard to stop in the long run if, you know, you're you're prepared for one thing. And Belichick's yeah. going to change it in the middle of an NFL football game. So, yeah. And they have the personnel and the players to be able to still execute those, even when they get thrown a loop halfway through, or it's something exactly. different than what they were planning. For sure. <clears throat> not yeah, to I mean, change I just, though, God, I'm sorry. Uh, not not to change the conversation away from basketball, but from football. Basketball. But uh, so the a, a coach who does this in the NBA. And a team who can do this was, of course, the you know 2014 and previous Spurs with mm-hmm. uh, Popovich and the big three of Duncan, Manu, and uh, the third guy, Tony <laughs> Parker. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, those in-game adjustments where many coaches are like unwilling to to change or unwilling to do. Uh, that is definitely a skill that's not just acquired but has to be. Uh, you know, honed as you play more and more games. So I would mm-hmm. definitely agree with that assessment. Yeah, uh, that you said for Kyle. sure. Uh, Kyle, I need to do some in podcast research right now. I wanted okay. to talk about the Super Bowl odds for next year, but I can't find them. So look them up real quick while I distract you by talking to Seth. Thank you, Seth. Final thoughts on this game? <laughs> oh my it's God! He's waving his arms like he just doesn't care. <laughs> Um, I thought the best part of the game was that they poured blue Gatorade on Belichick at the end of the game. <laughs> I put money on that, so I won a whopping like thirty dollars. So that was pretty mm-hmm. exciting. Um, yeah, that's for, that saved you. Um, it did save me. What do you like think next for the Rams, Seth? Do you think they'll be in contention in the next couple of years? I think they definitely will. I mean. Getting my little Cooper Cup back, first of all, He's and so assuming they figure out whatever was going on with Gurley in the playoffs this year, which still is kind of credulous to me. The fact that they but, haven't spoke on that is really weird to me. Like, he was the best running back in the NFL the last two years, and just the when you get to the playoffs, you just use him half the time at most. It was like for C.J. Anderson, who was a star in this league, so in his own right. <laughs> but like, 
I mean, he didn't even look like he was hurt or anything. He recorded the fastest speed by any player in that game in the yeah. Super Bowl. He reached mm-hmm. like 22 miles an hour on one of his runs. I don't know how a human does that, but... You said 22 um, miles per hour? Yeah, just about. <laughs> it was like 21.6 or something. It's, something, it's crazy. Um, but I have some odds, Kyle. I don't know if I have all of them. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and read them for the listeners? Uh, so like the, the Rams... First. Rams, are the, or not the Rams. The uh, Chiefs are the favorites at six to one. Uh, then you got three teams behind them: the Rams, New Orleans, and then the Patriots at eight to one. And then um, odds drop off quite a bit after that. Chargers, Bears, and Pittsburgh are at fourteen to one. And then you have Minnesota, Green Bay, and Dallas sixteen to one. Yeah. Philly, Baltimore, Indian, Indianapolis, Cleveland. Bro, Houston, Dark, all 20 to 1. I'm going to call it now. Cleveland is for sure making the playoffs next year, and they're winning their division. How much you, you want to bet first. on this game? Well, I think they will <laughs> make the playoffs, actually. I'm not going to disagree with you this time. Shit. We, we really sweated out that over 500 bet this year, though, because they finished 7, 8, and 1. <laughs> I'm so pissed. If they had a competent kicker, they would have easily beat, that, beat their eight-game win total. I want to bring up a couple of dark horse ones that I kind of like too. Uh, Seattle thirty to one. I think you get it forty to one in some places too. I mean, they have a good shot at anyone at the NFC as long as they keep that run game steady and you know they still have one of the top quarterbacks in the NFC. Um, there's San Fran at fifty to one. I was just gonna mention that one too because you're getting Who Jimmy G back, baby. What if Antonio got... Brown goes there, which has been rumored, you know? Very um, rumored that, and then you also have. Um... Who was their running back that got hurt the first uh, game of the season? Came from Minnesota. Uh, J- J.D. McKissick or whatever his name is? No. Derek McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah, McKinnon. <laughs> so you're going to have that and Breda as a one-two punch in the backfield. Yeah. Jimmy G back and uh, George Kittle, who is second, what, second, third year in the league. He's already a top three tight end. So George Kittle the Skittle. Seth, what about your Minnesota Vikings at 16-1? to 1? You like that? You like that? I, don't, I would take them at <laughs> two to one odds. Is what I would say if I were a Vikings fan without any moral compass or reason to speak of, which but I am. But you are. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They'll probably just like rip my heart out in a thousand pieces as they normally do. This is a classic uh, Vikings fan uh, thing right here. <laughs> I'm just like. Still residually upset at Kirk Cousins for it being bad, and I wish he was good. That's fair. Uh, Adithi, you like any of these teams? No. Next good. question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, well, everybody here knows I only watch the Super Bowl. Right. So Why would you watch anything else? Well, you watched the most boring game of the year, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Kyle, we'll have to text... Uh, consistently over the next week and make several ill-informed bets on this yes please uh i also really think indiana's uh or indianapolis is undervalued at 30 to 1 um but this might sound crazy but i'm a big believer in the tampa bay buccaneers of all teams as well okay why don't you just go ahead and leave Uh, now i know you're not serious i'm just i'm just saying they got you know, they revamped the coaching staff to someone that's really going to utilize Jameis Winston and the wide receivers in that game that are on that team. Um, they got 
what Todd Bowles, right, as their uh, defensive coordinator. I think it was Todd Plates, actually. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just the one question about the team is going to be the defense, but I think the offense is going to end up next year as being a top three scoring offense in the NFL. Yeah, the defense is ass though. Anyway, uh, since Kyle's hey, not going to uh, give any real. <laughs> Let me know when you guys make these bets, cause I'll uh, I'll make some bets using my Indian rupees. Oh, <laughs> you can come down with us, baby. We'll all burn down in flames. All right, since oh, Kyle's yes. not gonna give any real takes, let's move on to the NBA. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, baby. The first, so we want to talk about the trade deadline, what happened, and really go over our thoughts on each trade. But let's first talk about a trade that wasn't, as they say. Uh, Anthony Davis was not moved at the trade deadline. Even though uh, a few weeks ago, Rich Paul, his agent, told the Pelicans that he wanted to be traded. And um, then, over the course of the coming days, it was hinted that maybe if he wasn't traded to the Lakers, he would be a rental for a year and a half for a team because he has a year and a half left on his contract. Then he came out and said he would re-sign with the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks for some reason, and the New York Knickerbockers. Notably missing from those teams are the Boston Celtics, who we all feel also has a chance to get them. So, and there's just a lot of uh, shady stuff going on around this around this trade. So, uh, Aditya, what are your what are your thoughts on this Anthony Davis staying put? Uh, so I agree with this. So you guys always talk about player power. I'm all in on that as well. Definitely should be the case. Uh, I think Pelicans had seven years to do some things for him. They never did. Or even when they tried to, it never panned out. So I agree with this decision to leave. Him not getting the chance to leave, though, just shows uh, that... So there was a lot of reports. So the biggest one is that Pelicans never had any intention of trading him, and they were just, you know, trolling around, clowning the Lakers uh, in a way, and, and they completely succeeded. Right? They leaked every single trade that was proposed, which means the players know who was ready to be given up for him. Uh, they kind of dragged it on and on. Uh, so what I would say is what Dell Demps did is not professional, but what also Rich Paul, Clutch Sports, and Davis did wasn't professional either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would say, you know, I think both teams are getting what they deserve. Uh, Davis doesn't get to play for the remaining season. I I don't know if it, they can completely do that, but uh, I think they actually said he, they're gonna. The league is making them play him. They said they're gonna find them a hundred thousand dollars per game he doesn't play. So, oh, that, but yeah, they yeah. said he had they had to play him twenty five minutes a game, and so last game they played him exactly twenty five minutes, not a minute more. <laughs> uh, so so yeah so so he's on this restriction, which means that fans are unhappy. Davis is unhappy. The yep. Pelicans are unhappy. Lakers <laughs> are unhappy. Celtics are unhappy. Celtics um, are happy, if anything, now. No, so there right was the Davis' Davis's dad. That report came out, That's too. True. Right? So, That's true. Yeah. But, Seth, uh, I, you guys must be feeling a little better that he didn't at least get moved at the deadline, right? So you still have a chance? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Considering he's not on a different team, I'd say we're happy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The goal is to get him onto our team. Right. Um, I, 
I was I forget which podcast it was I was listening to, but someone was like, "Imagine if anyone else who is a professional, you know, working person, and their dad who's just like, oh, I don't want, I don't want my son going to go work for this other company.' It's like that was, that was Bill Simmons. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> so. I, I don't think that anything really has changed for the Celtics over the last few weeks. Like, I think they're still going to go ahead with the plan that they had all along, regardless of what Anthony Davis says about where he wants to play. Uh, it's not really his choice where he gets to play, at least for the next year after this one. And I think the Celtics feel like having the chance at getting him for a year and trying to convince him to stay after that Hopefully, like the Paul George effect, pretty much. Right, and we've seen this a few times. I mean, we'll see what happens with Kawhi at the end of this year. And I think really where it's going to change is seeing what happens in the playoffs, especially with some of the other moves that we'll get to in a second in the Eastern Conference. Those top four teams that we've been talking about all year have maybe taken another step up, and so I could really envision anything happening in the Eastern Conference playoffs um, at least in the second round in the conference finals. And so if the Celtics get blown out of the water, um, you know, if Kyrie decides to leave, there's a lot of variables that can happen um, between yeah. now and the end of the season. So I think, I think that, the Celtics that, obviously it, are feeling better than when you know, it looked like maybe he was going to get dealt to the Lakers, but really nothing has changed for us. Yeah, I think that the playoffs are going to decide a lot because – you have those top four teams in the East, right? The Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the uh, 76ers, who are all, I would say, you know, great teams and who they're all going to have to play each other in the second round, right? You know, and only two can advance. And the two that don't advance are going to be unhappy because they lost, which they wanted to win, what? you might say. So you could see Kyrie wanting to leave if the Celtics if the Celtics lose. You could see Jimmy wanting to leave if the 76ers lose. You could see Kawhi wanting to leave if the Raptors lose. And if the Bucks lose, then Giannis is just going to stay. But there's a lot that happens there, and that's going to really shape you know what happens with everyone else too. Um, so I have two I have two questions here. Yeah. If if Kyrie leaves, David, there's no way Davis goes to Celtics, correct? We think not, but. but. Well. That's I mean, he could be traded not, to the Celtics, yeah, but that's he might not, not Davis's. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not his choice. But at the same time, if Kyrie leaves, then Boston's—I I don't think that they give up like Tatum and you know those players for Davis. So, yeah, if Kyrie leaves, then that's a wash. What's your mm-hmm. second question? Second, second question order, is please. yes. Is <laughs> is uh, okay in these in these two scenarios? Is Tatum on the table yeah. if the Celtics win? and get to the finals, would Tatum be on the table? The second thing is that even if they don't win, is Tatum on the table? Jason Tam's actually on my dinner room table right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jason. <laughs> He's just a centerpiece. Seth, I would say yes, right? In either scenario. So the Celtics don't want to admit that at all or really say Correct. any specifics because they're worried they? about what happened to the Lakers. Um, but I think my feeling is, just from what I've heard listening to other people who actually talk to the team, uh, you don't talk I think to the team. Probably, <laughs> I think they probably would trade Tatum. Um, he's listening. They to would trade Tatum. So hopefully he can't hear me. Um, I don't want to scare him. 
but <clears throat> I think they would to get Anthony Davis, assuming Kyrie commits to staying. I think if Kyrie's going to leave, they're assuming Anthony Davis would leave after the year, and then now we'd be stuck without a bunch of our future assets, our best young player, and both of those stars. So I don't think they would allow that possibility. But if Kyrie commits to staying, I think they would be willing to trade Tatum, is my guess. It's, you're saying it depends entirely pretty much on Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And that, that whole Kyrie comment that he made about, you know, kind of taking back what he said about for sure being a Celtic next year and saying, ask me on July 1 is really like the biggest, um, you know, the best thing for the Lakers at this point, now that they didn't get Davis before the trade deadline, because it's like, well, we offered you all of this stuff. And if Kyrie does decide to leave, we don't have to offer you nearly as much anymore. So, so that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, the Pelicans might have shot themselves in the foot at what they could get based on what Kyrie ends up doing after the season. Yeah, so reportedly the Lakers offered as much as uh, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Zubat, whatever his first name is, I can't pronounce it, and two first-round picks. And, you know, the Pelicans were asking for up to four first-round picks, etc. And, you know... The, the truth may be that that same offer is still there in July. Um, but like Kyle said, maybe if Kyrie is gone from the Celtics, that offer isn't there. But I still think it was prudent of the of the Pelicans to wait. Don't you guys think that? Because I feel like that offer is or probably still there in July, and then they have a chance at Tatum. So I don't know. There wasn't much upside for them taking a trade now unless they just feel like they can't go through the – the the rest of the year with an unhappy Anthony Davis, but otherwise, I think it was logical to wait. Yeah, I think like you know, I think they were betting on Kyrie staying and having a chance at Jason Tatum. And I know we talk about Bill Simmons a lot, but he made a great point about um, that Lakers trade compared to what the Celtics could offer. Uh, Tatum seems like the one player that really has a chance at being an all-NBA player over really any of the people the Lakers are offering. So what do you want? You want two possibly NBA all-stars, really what's an all-star, or do you want someone that has the chance to become one of the 15 best players in the NBA? Um, And it seems like that's what the Pelicans are kind of taking a gamble on right now. Yeah, I mean, Tatum's already a better player than any of those players, and he has a higher ceiling too, so... Um. I, but I still I feel like the Lakers players were undervalued a lot. Sorry, Kyle, not to cut you off. Just I want to. No, it's okay. But I, I, I don't know. I, I do think that the, see, like I think Lonzo Ball is an All NBA at least defensive. I can definitely yeah. see that mm-hmm. in uh-huh. two to three years he's gonna make he, he's gonna make the All NBA defense. Uh, second thing is the All Star versus All NBA. See, at the end of the day, the the NBA wants to sell tickets, so you can be an All NBA you know, second or third team guy, but that does not mean you're a superstar as opposed to being an all-star means you're selling tickets. People want to see you. People are voting for you. So I think that argument is a lot closer. So I would, especially in a trade situation, yes, unless you're going for the championship, uh, you want to get the all NBA guy, but otherwise if you're looking to sell tickets, fill seats and make money, you should go for the all-star. 
And I, think I still Lakers think Tatum have... would sell more seats than, well, maybe not, maybe not than Ball. I don't know. Maybe Ball is more popular. Like, yeah. Tatum's a boring guy. He's a great player, but he's a boring player. <laughs> Whereas if you look at a, if you look at a, a, a Kuzma or if you look at a, a Lonzo again, there it's like the drama and everything that surrounds him definitely but has a bigger I, player profile. I hear what you're saying, Aditya, but I feel like that drama exists only because, like for Kuzma and Ingram at least, only because they play for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Like if you put, I mean, Lonzo Ball has this whole thing from college and his LeVar and everything. But mm-hmm. if you transplant some of those players onto New Orleans now when no one cares about them, mm-hmm. I don't think there could be any more like highlight reel on the highlight reel or popular than Jason Tatum would. That's and a good point, though. Thing, I didn't think good, about that. That's a good point. That's a good point. But Seth, that, is, that brings up another good point. Like, all NBA is the top 15 players, and All-Star mm-hmm. there's 24, right? Mm-hmm. So, plus with the conferences, you know, like, D'Angelo Russell is an All-Star, but, he, I mean, he, he has a – he could has room for improvement, too. But I think if – there's a big drop off from Anthony Davis to what D'Angelo Russell is this year. So if like that's what the ceiling for those Lakers players is going to be, just like a very low level All Star like that, I don't know that the Pelicans want that. Mm-hmm. I think though, uh, if they do make that trade with the Lakers, I think the Pelicans are a sneaky, really good defense at that point with the starting lo- lineup of Lonzo, oh, yeah. uh, Drew, Ingram. Um, probably what it would probably be what, Julius Randle and um, Jalil Okafor, the other two. Jalil's sneakily been really good. I don't know he's what happened to him. He's been a little frisky him, lately. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he's averaging like two and a half blocks a game or something, blocks and steals. Yeah. And it's like, this does not look like the same player that was drafted a couple years ago. So I don't know if he's, you know, in shape and healthy or what, but I've watched a couple games with him and, He's dropping double-doubles nightly. Like I said, he's three, four blocks most nights, blocks and steals, also known as stocks in some some parts some of the circles. world. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think they'd be a sneaky good defensive team if they ended up making that trade. I think what it comes down to really is just how do the Pelicans feel about Ingram and Ball versus how they feel about Tatum. You know, maybe they prefer Ingram and Ball. I don't, but they but certainly could have saw... a different opinion. I saw a uh, there was a tweet um, about the possible assets from Boston in a trade for AD, and it was uh, Tatum, Al Horford, and there was one other player and a pick included. I want to say it might have been Marcus Smart. I don't think they're going to trade Al, are they? Yeah, he was included in that list that I saw. I wouldn't, why would you take that trade? Al Horford is 45. Well, you get Jason Tatum, you get Al's contract, uh, pretty much is what it's for, so balance it out, I would think. And Marcus Smart, who I wanted to talk about because over the last, like, two months, he has been a very consistent three-point shooter, something that we've not really seen from him. And obviously, his defense is still one of the grittiest in the NBA. Um, But the fact that I think it's from the beginning of January, he's leading the league in three-point percentage with, like, 42 or something like that yeah i think the celtics should avoid trading him at all costs because if they're trying to win a championship i feel like you need a player like that yeah 
he's scrappy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Seth. Any final thoughts? I would just say <laughs> no. Okay, thank you. Let's move on. Uh, we want to talk about the Kristaps Porzingis trade. We talked about it on last podcast, but Aditya wasn't there, so I think you have anything burning to say. I know you do, baby. Uh, I just, I just love that the Mavs are collecting all the Latvians. You know, it's just, it just makes the me very happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, that pick and roll is no, really I, good. Oh, it's going to be great. I, so I think it's great, uh, to be honest. Uh, I think it's a good situation for Dennis Smith to get out of there because uh, we all know he kind of he had an ego issue basically with Luca. So Luca is. The, your primary ball handler, but he's a forward, uh, which means Dennis doesn't get as many touches. I think it's very good because now Dennis is, is in a situation where he, he knows he'll be the primary ball handler because on the Knicks there's nobody. Um, and meanwhile, for Dallas, they have what you can consider, if it all works out, they have two more Dirks, basically, where you know Cuban's going to take care of them, you know Cuban's going to help them develop the skills that they're looking for. Uh, they still got the great coach. I don't know how much of a hit losing DeAndre Jordan is, though, because I've always felt that Jordan was... I'm not going to say he was always underrated, but uh, there are a few people who say who are saying, you know, Jordan leaving means, like, nothing to the Mavs, but I, I kind of disagree with that. Um, but outside of that, I think I think both teams are in a in a good position. I'm very excited. Luka Doncic, Doncic is arguably my favorite player of this season. Uh, he's just he's just phenomenal. So, he's so cute, yeah, you know? that pick and roll. Yeah, you know, you know how he is. That, but that pick and roll is absolutely going to be phenomenal, though. I mean, this the kind of spacing they can get on the floor with with the two of them is going to be ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait for it. All right, we already discussed that one, so let's move on to another big trade that was made since our last podcast, Tobias Harris going to the Sixers. So the 76ers sent Tobias Harris, Wilson Chandler, and Mike Muscala, as well as a 2021 and 2023 second-round pick to the Clippers. And the Clippers sent Tobias Harris. Oh, wait. Well, they also, I should mention that the Sixers sent Landry Shamit, and their the biggest thing maybe that they included was their uh, unprotected 2021 first-round pick from the Heat. Uh, and then in return, they got Tobias Harris and um, Boban. We know him. We love him. And also Mike Scott. So what do you guys think about this? Uh, Seth, I'll start with you. I feel like it was maybe a bit of an overpay by the Sixers. Well, I think we, you know, people talked about when the Jimmy Butler trade went down that this is the end of the process and that now they needed like results from the process. So I think they're really going to some, to some extent all in for this year. Um, Shamit lit up the Celtics last night. So <laughs> I feel like maybe they should have tried to keep him. Um, mm-hmm as like yeah a new jj once jj is on his deathbed in a few years um <laughs> you know he's the same age as al horford for god's sake apparently al <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't actually know if they're the same age i just assume approximately <clears throat> as i was saying before i interrupted myself 
<laughs> I think having that big four um, and throwing JJ in there for the starting lineup is as good of a starting lineup as there is in the East, at least. Um, but I wonder... I mean, I don't think it makes them like the clear-cut favorite in the East. I still think any of those top four teams could win, just depending on who plays better, who's shooting threes better on that particular playoff series. Um, you know, if the Celtics can figure out what lineups to have when, and uh, you know, if Giannis can get enough help, if Gasol ends up helping the Raptors, we'll talk about that later. So I think the East is still pretty wide open. It'll be interesting to see if the Sixers try to pay all four of those guys at the end of the offseason. Again, that de- depends on how well they do in the playoffs. If I were the Sixers, I might try to keep Tobias and just let Jimmy go and not have to worry about team chemistry as much and what that all does. Um, so you I, do, you should, I think you should do a sign and trade. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting I don't want the deal for the Sixers, but I understand why the Clippers would do it as well. Yeah, Kyle, do you think they overpaid for it, and do you think they're the favorite in the East? Um, so I know I vehemently talked about how I thought the Sixers were going to be the team that comes out of the East and then gives the Warriors a run for their money. Mm-hmm. Um, but after watching the last couple months, <clears throat> the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I'm kind of coming back from what I was saying about the Sixers. I think those are the two teams, however, that have the best chance of making it out of the East. Uh, And I do like this trade for Tobias um, because I was talking to you guys uh, a couple days ago when this went through and, you know, people are wondering how it's going to work having basically four guys that need the ball uh, in order to, you know, perform but Tobias is the uh he's the only he's the lowest usage 20 plus point per game score in the NBA so he's efficient basically um and that's definitely something you know to think about because he's not someone that needs the ball in his hands at all times um and I'm looking at last night's uh game was it last night or two nights ago uh whenever they played Denver um the one thing I'm not really worried about is bench depth for the Sixers because of the rotations that the Sixers run where they're, they pretty much stagger after the mm-hmm. first, uh, first couple minutes of the game. Like they'll take Joel and beat out after usually around six, seven minutes. And then after that, all five starters aren't together on the floor for the most part um, to together anymore, uh, except for like closing quarters. Mm-hmm. So, um, adding just another, you know, he's Tobias isn't necessarily a superstar, but a very good player, uh, in that mix to be able to stagger minutes with, um, you know, makes me feel better about their somewhat lack of bench depth. Mm-hmm. Um, because so, so yesterday they were doing, uh, like Tobias, Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler, would kind of be the three together on one unit. And then Embiid would come in and play with J.J. Redick for the most part from the starters. Um, and that's kind of how they stagger things to to keep everyone fresh and to make sure everyone's still getting the ball. So um, 
you know, they looked good in that game against Denver, their first game together. So, you know, I feel yeah. good about it. Kyle, I have several points to make off of what you just said. First of all, um, I'll, I'd like to say that I do need the ball to perform. I need two, so. <laughs> Sometimes I need two. Uh, Mom turned down the podcast. Uh, and then also, my After first... you say what you were going <laughs> Unless you're Lance Armstrong, then you only need one. My first uh, in- <laughs> my first thought when I heard this trade is that, wow, that's perfect because uh, Tobias, to me, is a player that can slide onto any team and really fit into whatever they do. You don't have to build your team around Tobias Harris. You can add Tobias Harris to your team and make it better, right? Because he's kind of just really good at everything. Like, he's just a solid pick-and-roll player. He's a solid off-the-ball shooter. He's a solid passer. He's a solid isolation scorer. So whatever your team needs, I feel like he can really just fit in that mold, right? And like Kyle said, he's the lowest usage 20-point scorer. So I think it won't be as big of a deal to have, you know, four star players or four, you know, high usage players on the court at the same time. I think the financials will be a little, they'll need a little, little financial gymnastics this uh, summer, which I actually majored in financial gymnastics. Uh, so <laughs> that'll be interesting to see if they can keep all of them. Uh, Adithia. What do you think about this trade? First of all, that stat on twenty uh, lowest usage twenty point player that's that's awesome. Good for Tobias. Um, so I I do I really like this for the 76ers, but I also believe it's an overpay because they they went from having like the most assets and well secured for the future to like now they have nothing. It's like all in or after this year they. They have very mediocre picks going forward. So that's a little risky. Um, so here's an interesting stat as well. Bobin <laughs> has him. the highest per 36-minute PER out of anyone in history. <laughs> but he only plays he plays less than 10 minutes a game. So <laughs> I think I think that speaks for itself. Um, no, I think that, that that 76ers starting five is phenomenal i i really really like them they're defensively in like super capable outside of jj uh offensively they i think they can keep pace with the the bucks which is you know saying something um for the clippers you know i they just need to embrace the tank they've got enough cap space they uh can sign uh, at least, I don't know if it's one or more or two max level players this summer. At least one, I think. Uh, with some, some other things they might be able to get to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, which, yeah, I mean. They just want Kawhi, Kawhi. so, yeah. Yeah, they just want, yeah, yeah. So the, the Kawhi, yeah, that, that can certainly happen. But yeah, I think, I think overall that's great. Um, I think Embiid is, uh, has to get some more rest because that guy looks gassed in the fourth quarter every game. I think he's playing like 33 minutes a game right now. So mm-hmm. I think he, if the rotations are right, he might be able to bring that number down to 29 or 28, which I think is perfect for him because he'll be devastating during that period. So, so yeah, I think I think it's looking good. I, I'm going to take 76ers as my. I'm gonna say number two in the East right now after this trade. So I have a few 
yeah, a few thoughts before we move on. Uh, so this is the best starting five then besides the Warriors, probably, right? We would say. I, I in my opinion, yes. Yeah. Very. I mean, very tough to say, but I think so. Yeah. Seems like it on paper, at least. But if you put it on cardboard, who's to say? Uh, I also think I did. I love this trade for the Clippers. I think a couple of things here. I think the management probably doesn't want to make the playoffs because uh, then they can keep their pick for this year. Um, because otherwise, it, there's a chance it might go somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember where. The, no, they should tank. They the should Celtics, tank. I presume. Uh, <laughs> and but they could still make the playoffs, honestly, because you know. Whereas Tobias was their best player, their whole thing was that they just have a bunch of good players. And while Tobias is the best of them, he wasn't necessarily a superstar. And Gallinari brings, you know, maybe 90% of what Tobias brought and is a similar player. And they still have him and he just came back from injury. So I I wouldn't be shocked if they still made the playoffs. I don't think they'd want to. Um, And they they also got that Heat 2021 pick that's unprotected, which, uh people have said is one of the best assets in the league because in 2021, that might be the first year that, that they let high school players enter the NBA draft. The so they're kind of like a double draft where you have this influx of talent from college and from high school for the first time. So it's going to be a really, really strong draft and you might not necessarily have to get the first pick, right. To even get a star player because there's just going to be so much talent in that draft. And that was the Sixers. That was their big asset. And, you know, they, they were saving it for someone, and they saved it for Tobias Harris. You know, maybe not who they were envisioning saving it for, but now they're all in, and we'll see what happens because they had they had all these assets and picks, and the process is over, and it's turned into uh, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. So, is that good enough for Sixers fans? I guess we'll see how the playoffs go. One thing that I want to mention before <laughs> we move off of the Sixers is. Uh, I saw this chart online. It was uh, team net ratings when both teams have all five starters on the court. And uh, before the trade, the Sixers were first in that category with a 15.4 net rating. So adding (laughs) another really good defensive player and very capable scorer, you know, I think that that's going to just, you know, we talked about it, improve their team immensely. But, you know. I think that's just something to think about. Like their offensive rating is 120 and their 105 defensive rating, which is top four in the league, I think. And I actually, their depth got better with this trade and with the full trade, which we'll talk about later. But um, that was the big knock on them, right? Was that their depth was not great at all. But they got two front court rotation players in Boban and Mike Scott for one front court rotation player, Mike Muscala, who they sent out. They did lose Shamit, which is a big deal. But I feel confident that they're going to get a buyout guy like Wayne Ellington, maybe, who uh, who they can just insert into that shooter role. So I think they'll their depth will be pretty pretty good by playoff did time. Ellington just signed with Detroit. Was that Ellington? Oh, really? I think so. Okay, what I said then. No, but you're absolutely right. I think that's terrible. Yeah, with with the, I think that that minutes management is going to get a lot better, which is which is very very good. And uh, yeah. it, it, oh, Kyle, you got You should share that list, Kyle, because I'd be very interested to see that. Okay. Um, yeah. And another thing before we move off, the Tobias Harris. Uh, I think it was Kevin O'Connor who was saying that yeah, like Tobias Harris was the number one guy before, but Tobias Harris, if he's your number. <laughs> three or number he's usually number four guy you're in a really really good position 
because uh, I would say out of anyone in that starting lineup outside of JJ, he needs the ball the least. Because mm-hmm. he has enough skill For to sure. become become a, a, a solid pop-up shooter. Mm-hmm. And that that's really what they'll need because they have now they have the spacing, they have the defense. You if you have them on the perimeter, I think I think you're in a really good position. So yeah, I, I'm 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 feeling really good about the 76ers. It's interesting to see what they paid Tobias this summer if they try to keep him because if he's more of a oh he's our spot up guy in the corner, he just takes open threes. You know, we run maybe a few plays for him a game. That's not really a max player, but they're probably gonna try to pay him as such to keep him because yeah. someone but will he, pay him the max this summer. So Yeah, he he'll play like twenty eight plus minutes for sure, which means he's gotta be making at least thirty a year. So Uh yeah, but I don't know, know what they're I mean, they're gonna have to pay him the max. Yeah, no, but the 76ers have spent enough time, you know, not paying near the cap, so might as well start. All right, let's move on to another big trade. Uh, Seth, any final thoughts first? <laughs> no. Yes, yeah, talk Seth, about... Wait, I, I really wanted to hear Seth's take on this. As a Celtics fan, how do you see this Philadelphia team coming in hot? The Celtics look like they're in disarray, and the 76ers seem like they've got their shit together. I mean, I am still, like, cautiously optimistic. I'm trying not to overreact to mid-season ups and downs too much. And I could still see chemistry issues getting to them in the playoffs. On the other hand, maybe they'll just... Their talent will win out. I don't know. It's tough to say because it hasn't happened yet. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you, did you guys see the quote from uh, Marcus Morris after last night's game oh, against yeah, the Clippers? God. He said, uh, we don't have no attitude. We don't have no toughness. We ain't having fun, and it hasn't been fun for a long time. What's happening? It's tough. <laughs> Silence. I kind of. It is tough. I, Kyle, you had texted us a while ago that like the Celtics look better without Kyrie, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of like having trouble refuting that because part of me just wants like to get done with this whole Kyrie AD drama, and maybe Kyrie will just leave. We won't get Anthony Davis, and then everyone can relax, and we'll just move forward with Terry and Marcus at the point. And like develop our young stars, and maybe in a few years, like trade some of our draft assets for somebody else. But and like let Gordon get healthy again, you know. Like I feel like if that, I wouldn't be like hugely disappointed if that is what ended up happening. I really wow. don't know what I want to happen, but I. You heard it here me. first. Seth hates Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, another big trade. That is, are you ready? Marcus All with his cane and his water. Marcus All with us. Has been, with what? <laughs> has been sent to the Toronto Raptors. In return, Toronto is sending Jonas Valanciunas, Delon Wright, CJ Miles, CJ Kilometers, and a uh, 2024 second round pick. Uh, <laughs> CJ Kilometers. <laughs> you like that one? Kyle, <laughs> you think this return is good enough for Memphis? And what do you think Gasol is going to do for the Raptors? Um, I think what we saw this year with Marcus All is he looks older. You know, he doesn't look like the defensive player of the year that Marcus All once was. 
But at the same time, I think a lot of you know his performance this year just had to do with the team around him. Uh, it was basically Mike Conley and Jaron Jackson Jr. for the 20 minutes that he played where he was trying to avoid foul trouble. Um, and yeah, obviously Gasol is a big upgrade over Valanciunas. Um, and I think <coughs> that Memphis got, you know, Valanciunas is still a good backup center. Um, and they also got what? They got Dillon Wright, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's a good young asset to have. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to see a whole lot of him on Toronto because of their starters, and they have pretty nice depth as well. Um, but I think Marcus All. I don't know if he's going to stay coming off the bench. He did last night, um, but obviously it's just the first game. So I just don't – I think he has to, thinking about it, because I don't see any way where they move Ibaka to the four – then you have, what, Siakam at the three, Kawhi at the two, toss Danny Green to the bench, and have Kyle Lowry as your starter. Um, that's a pretty big lineup, honestly, with Gasol, Ibaka, mm-hmm. and Siakam. So uh, I, I don't know how you know fortuitous that'll be to do that. I think, he, I think he ends up staying, coming off the bench, but that's a very good defensive player, and big man distributor like he was Nikola Jokic light back in his you know in his prime when <laughs> it came to uh rebounds and assists and playing very well defensively so their second unit got a lot better for sure with this trade um yeah so I think that uh I mean either Serge either Serge or Gasol has to sit I don't think they're going to start all three of them and I don't really think you can send Siakam to the bench he's just too good so I think that they're probably going to either Sid Serge or Marcus Gasol, depending on the matchup. I think you need Gasol in some matchups, right? Especially in the playoffs, you might need him to tossle with Joel Embiid and Brook Lopez, right? Yeah, and he's exactly. A, he's a great post defender, so I think in those matchups, he's going to start. But thought for your thoughts, Aditya? Um, I I think Kyle brought up a lot of good points. So yes, Toronto's really like that's a big lineup now. They're going in the exact opposite direction of the small ball lineup that a lot of other teams are taking. Um, I think bringing Danny Green off of the bench would be a, a, a great idea because uh, that way, you know, you still have really good defense off of your bench. Uh, I think Serge should still start over uh, Marc Gasol, at least for a while, because Serge has kind of revolu- revitalized. Is that the word I'm looking for here? Yeah, he's had the uh, best his, season of his career, really. Which is surprising. Well, not as good as that. There was that one Thunder season where they were insane. And I don't know, but offensively, but, he's been even better than that. But yeah, defensively, he's not the same, for sure. Mm-hmm. But that, so, And that being said, I think Toronto still has an excellent defense, and that, especially with Gasol. Um, they're looking good. So they, they were my number one team. Right, right after 76ers is number two. So I'll still say they're in excellent position. Um, but Kawhi still not playing back-to-backs is uh, is scary. Um, he's still playing less minutes than I think he should. But yeah, trade-wise, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for them. I think Masai is doing some really good things. Um, but if, uh, if Kawhi does not re-sign, let's just say they... 
let's say Toronto gets to the finals, does Kawhi stay? And if they don't even make it to the finals, Kawhi's definitely leaving. Uh, who's your go-to guy now? Well, they'd, just be at, they'd have to rebuild around Siakam and their other young guys for sure. They'd probably let Kyle go or trade him. Um, yeah. Kyle Olsen, trade, trade him yeah. from our podcast, yeah, to another one. Get him uh, out. <laughs> and so trade be Kyle, see trade Kawhi, yeah. which means that no, you just... No, not trade Kawhi. They just lose Kawhi, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess lose Kawhi, but... Yeah. I think, so, I mean... I don't know what else they do. They uh, I just wanted to reaffirm my thoughts on them playing both Gasol and Ibaka on the court at the same time. So last night obviously was the first game, and I just think that the game flows, and they just uh, every time Ibaka came out is when Gasol came in. They didn't share yeah. even an ounce of a minute together well, on they, the floor. They don't want Serge at the four. I mean, he's he's been revitalized at the five, so why why yeah. do that, right? Yeah. Seth, are you shaking these think... little booties now that the Raptors added Marcus Saul? Ooh, they might play you in the playoffs. Look how scary this. This is uh, <laughs> heresy to say in front of Sam, but fortunately, I'm not in front of him. I'm many miles away. Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, really. <laughs> I think out of the so-called big trades from this trade deadline, I think this is the most inconsequential one. The only, me. the only way that. I see it making difference is for those times when Gasol is guarding Embiid. Um, otherwise, I think he's an upgrade from JV, but not like a huge upgrade. And I think having Surge in the lineup is still going to be their best crunch time lineup most of the time. Yeah, but if the only difference this makes is that he shuts down Joel Embiid and Al he's Horford shut down and Joel Embiid. Brooke Lopez, okay, you know, but Jonas wasn't going to cover them, and Serge can't cover them either. So, I mean, they made this move for one of the elite teams they're going to play in the playoffs, and if that's the only difference it makes, then they're in the finals, you know? In my so, opinion, they really only say, made this move for playing the Sixers because, yeah. like you said, they need – or Ibaka has shown this year that that's the one thing that he really can't do is correct. guard, mm-hmm. like, big, big men in the mm-hmm. post. And so I think that's really what they did as kind of insurance for the playoffs. Sorry for cutting you off, Seth. No, I I don't mind that. I don't mind the trade. I just don't necessarily think it moves the needle. I think the I would have taken Toronto beating the Sixers regardless, mm-hmm. like for this trade. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think I think it's a fine trade for them. I don't think it makes them worse, but I don't think this like makes them the favorite in the east either that's really it's so hard to say who's the favorite in the east honestly i could see any one of these teams making the finals so indy's still on a five game streak so is is it top four or top five? Oh my god i would top i would have said top four because they don't have Vic, but no, boy, it, looks it makes scrappy, a good point you know they have looked good recently uh Tyreek right, let's move on yeah that's true. Let's talk about. Uh, I told each of you to pick another small trade that you want to discuss. Who wants to start, huh? Why don't you just fight over it? I'll go. Wow. <laughs> Easy fight right there. <laughs> One um, man stands alone. <laughs> so I don't think this was really a small trade, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. And it was the uh, Nikola Meritic to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, For effectively. What, four, four second round picks or something like that? Uh, they traded. So what they first did was they moved Thon Maker to Detroit for Stanley Johnson. And I was really excited about that. Stanley Johnson was a perfect fit for the team. 
And then they boy? turned. Uh, yeah, Stanley I think Jones so. Is not good yeah, he's he's a bench. Boy. He's a bench. He's a bench Stogie boy player. Is what he is. Um, <laughs> and then they just turned Stanley Johnson into Nikola, um, which is an even better fit, honestly, for the Bucks. Um, just another player that can shoot the lights out some games and really space the floor and pretty much get everyone out of the paint for Giannis to go to work. And I think it's really going to end up being a deadly combination, especially, you know, if they do start running a small ball lineup of, I think it's pretty equivalent, you know, could go toe to toe with the Warriors death lineup. Um, if you're playing Bledsoe, Brogdon, um, Middleton, Nicola, and then Giannis essentially playing the five. Um, that's a that big is, lineup. That's not just a big lineup, but literally everyone on that team could shoot the lights out. And then you have Giannis, who I saw drain, I think, like six threes the other day. <laughs> and if he's going to even keep doing like four That happened? Games, yeah, that. He, he was not missing. It was nuts. Um, so if he can, you know, even just consistently be a 33 35% three-point shooter to even spread that floor even more. Um, they're the most dangerous team in the East. I think they're the second most dangerous team in the NBA. Kyle, let me ask you this. When they shoot the lights out, how do they see the court? <laughs> they don't. They just feel it. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with Kyle on this. I think the Miritich trade is much more influential than the Gasol trade. I think Miritich is someone who could get hot like in the third, fourth quarters of a playoff game. And when that happens and the team is already worrying about all the other weapons, like he can bring you over the hump and win a game or two in a playoff series. Whereas I think Gasol's, you know, 25% increase in defensive ability against Joel Embiid is not quite as impactful. So I really like this trade for the Bucks. They didn't give up too much to get Miritich. Um, and they're another team that could maybe pick up a buyout guy as well. Um, so I kind of see, kind of see Miritich is filling that like Bellinelli, Ilyasova role that kind of that the Sixers had last year, where someone who can get hot, space the floor, uh, and just adds another element to their offense that, which is a team that already has a lot of depth. And so I think it's nice to have so many weapons when you don't, when your second guy is Chris Middleton, who's good, obviously, but I think it's nice to have so many other weapons and anyone on the team can really hurt you. Are Think we overthinking about... this? Is it just should the Bucks just be the favorite in the East? I mean, yeah, they have that's the best what I player said. and they, they the have the best in record the in my mind. <laughs> that's the thing. Like I. Like I said, I thought going into the season it was going to be the Sixers, but the way the Bucks have been playing this year, it's pretty clear to me that they are the best team in the East and honestly the second best team in the NBA, like I said. Aditya, you had you had them third, right, behind the Sixers and the Raptors. Defend yourself. Yeah, or, but you guys have convinced me. To... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, what I just uh, – I wanted to look this up because I remember – In Merit podcast was, research? Yeah, Meritage was uh, – <laughs> really good for the Pelicans last year in the playoffs. Um, so I wanted to see kind of what he was doing. And so his game totals in the first round against Portland, uh, the first game he went 
where he scored 16 points, 11 rebounds. Um, so this is this is a player that basically the the Bucks added for Thon Maker essentially right. is what they he ended wasn't up doing. Playing for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, second game, 17 points, eight rebounds. Third game, he scored a whopping um, two points, 30 points, <laughs> eight rebounds again, three steals and a block. And then to put the uh, uh, the fourth game. The icing on the cake, went, as they say. You know, he had a just a small 10-point, 11-rebound, double-double. But also that game, Drew Holiday scored 41 points and Anthony Davis scored 47. So <laughs> That was really thrilling to hear you read out his stats from each game. Thank you for that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you turned a bench player that wasn't doing anything into a player right. that is very much so going to could influence a game and move the needle to be able to put up a very good performance against the Golden State Warriors if and when you see them in the NBA Finals. I mean, it's it's kind of similar to the Raptors trade, and then they traded like someone who basically wasn't going to play in the playoffs to a rotation player, and that's big, obviously. So, Aditya, what's your trade that you want to talk about? Um. No, I just I have just one point to add to that. So, mm-hmm. so the Bucks are, and I think I had messaged the group about this a little bit earlier. Uh, they are the highest pace by such an insane margin. Uh, I think there was a one game the Wizards score 129 points and they lost by 19 <laughs> to the Yo, Bucks. That game was nuts. Like they they scored insane. what was it like 70 something points in the first half of the game. They scored 50 points in the first quarter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, so the the Bucks are absolutely incredible. Fourth best offense, number one defense. Yeah. Scoring margin is still incredible. Uh, I, yeah, I think this Meritage trade is fantastic for them. Um, but interestingly, the Pelicans got, I think the Pelicans got a decent amount for this as well. So they got uh, Washington's 2020-2021 second round picks. They have Milwaukee's pick. They have Denver's pick. Stanley Johnson, who I still kind of like, and Jason Smith. So, and the Pelicans got away with it as well. Uh, Thon Maker, I don't. He could be 18. He could be 40. I, I actually <laughs> say, don't who's know. To say? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. The Pistons, I think, got got a little fleeced here. But, but yeah, I think I think the Bucks are looking excellent. That being said, I still have to put them at number three because I'll take. I think 76ers defense got better, and I think the Toronto's defense and offense got better uh, with their trade. So, yeah, just my two cents there. So what was your uh, trade you wanted to discuss? Uh, Harrison Barnes. Harry B. Well, let me just uh, read this, what the trade was. So the Mavs get Randolph, uh, they get Justin Jackson, and the Kings get Harrison Barnes. Um. I think this is I think this is really good for the Kings because you now have a solid 15 plus points per game. Uh, you have an incredible. Uh, he's I think Harrison Barnes is one of those excellent team guys. Um, anywhere he is, people just have really good things to say about him. No drama, no nothing. Uh, I think with the Kings, who have really looked like a different team, I think that their process, their rebuild process, is really paying off. They've got one of my favorite people in uh, Darren Fox. Love him. Uh, Buddy Heald has just been phenomenal. Mm. Insane. I mean, 
I think well, uh, for 2019 so far, he's shooting 53 or 54% from the three. Uh, on more, more than, than half, six. Folks. That's more than half. On more than like six attempts per game. I don't remember if it was six attempts or eight attempts per game. But yeah, he's like 46%. High, 40, that was 53. Maybe it was January, it was 53. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it was January. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a, I think Harrison Barnes is a great piece over there. Um I also like Justin Jackson. I think the so the Mavs are also getting younger with this. Uh, I don't know what Randolph can do anymore. I think um, he might be dead. He's actually. gonna get bought it, out. He traded his corpse. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think it's good for both sides. I I think Barnes still has a year left on his contract, so yeah, I think, I think it's a, a player, player option. option. Yeah. Yeah, which he's gonna take because I think he's making like twenty five mil. Unless so, the Kings sign him for like a lot of years, maybe he wants that instead, but. I don't know if that's going to happen. From what I um, read, it sounded like the Kings wanted to keep Harrison Barnes, you know. But they probably had to, contract. yeah, they probably had to or offer him, though, like just as much. So let's say they offer him like four years, 25 million per year. So four years, 100 million, right? As the cap goes up, that might not be as bad as his current deal, right? And that exactly. might not be as a percentage of their cap space. But is right. that, I mean, if he if he's coming in and he's, and he's, just, you know, a 3 and D player. He just spots up for open threes off of Deer and, and Buddy's uh, pick-and-roll action. Or, you know, if he doesn't take as many isolations, is that really a max player that you have there? I don't know. It's kind of similar to Bias, right, where he's not as big of a, a role as he once was. Um, and I don't think you necessarily want the, the isolation Harrison Barnes on a playoff team, right? Maybe, if you know, for a few plays per game you want that. But, you know, that's what he was doing in Dallas, right, when they had no good players, was he was just ISO, you know, scoring 20 a game, doing that. But that's probably not what you want on the Kings. And if he's just, you know, a guy who's shooting open threes, I don't know if that's worth a max, but maybe he'll do more. I don't know. But the thing is, the the, the Kings don't have to pay Fox for another three years, right? He still has rookie contract. Yeah. Buddy Heald is not making that much money anyway. Uh, I'm I'm trying to see how much he's so so Fox is like making five million, yeah Fox is making five million for the rest of the season and then three more after that. Uh, Buddy is yeah probably in that range. Yeah, oh, wow, he's making three million a year with two. Really, I guess yeah. he's only Which been good this year, so yeah, that's a steal actually. So yeah, so I mean they have the cap space and I think they can still afford to pay Barnes like that twenty six or twenty seven, maybe mm. slightly more than he's making now. And then still sign a, a, a free agent in the 2020 free agency. So mm-hmm. I think I think the Kings are in a good spot. I don't I don't think I'd be too worried by giving yeah. Barnes a little bit extra. Yeah, and I don't mind it for a playoff push. I mean, we always say like, oh, you should either be tanking or going for a championship. But if you're the Kings, you should really just be going for the eight seed because your fans have <laughs> been through so much. Yeah. <laughs> the eight seed is they've like been, a holiday for the Kings. They've so. been playoff starved, so I think if they just make the playoffs consistently, which is very tough to do in the West to begin with, but I think I think they have a a pretty good chance of doing that. The future is really bright in Sacramento. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, you, watching a couple games. It's evident that Marvin Bagley has taken huge leaps. You know, I didn't think I'd see we'd see him perform at this level really um, this quickly. And also, Harry Giles has been really good off the bench as well. Um, and I don't think that the Kings organization thought both of those players were gonna um, develop so quickly 
And so what the Harrison Parnes trade does is allow them more playing time by taking a god-awful Justin Jackson out of the rotation. Uh, Zebo <laughs> wasn't playing anyways, but... Um, yeah. On the Mavs side, though, too, getting rid of Harrison Barnes opens up a lot of money to either pay Porzingis or sign another like top tier mm-hmm. free agent. Yeah, they have a max slot open now. So, I also think that. Uh, oh, also, would you guys do you guys prefer Harry guy Harry Giles or Harry Styles? Um, yeah, what happened to One Direction? Actually, they went in. They the all went direction, different directions. <laughs> Really, that was that was an alley oop, huh? I like how we both we both slammed it down. Uh, also, for the Kings, what this does is like they were really looking for a bigger three or three four type to guard like the the Kevin Durant's of the world and the uh, name another big wing I don't know uh, and the LeBrons of the world and um, like all they really had at three was Bogdan Bogdanovich who has been playing very well right and and their plus minus numbers with him on the court is great but I really don't see him guarding Kevin Durant you know. Um, whereas I can envision Harrison at least at least having the size to guard Kevin, so I think that's that's kind of what they took into account as well. They were looking for that that bigger wing. Um, Seth, tell me your trade. Wait, I, I'm so sorry, Seth, not to cut you off, but just classic one idiot. thing. Ba- <laughs> Did you guys know Marvin Bagley was born in 1999? Holy shit! God, are we old? Is, we're, we're old now. He's only going to be 20 years old this year. Yeah, Jesus, he's 19 right now. What are anyway, we? I think yeah, yeah. I don't know. We're not like. making seven and a half million dollars, which he is. Maybe you're not. You guys aren't getting money for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir. That just yeah. Please go ahead. Yeah. So the the trade that I selected is Markel Fultz to the Magic in exchange for Jonathan Simmons, a first round pick via OKC. And a second round pick. This is a height. So, obviously, Fultz was not going to work out in Philadelphia. So, they needed to get rid of him sooner or later. And I think they did a pretty good job of cashing in and getting some kind of return for what has basically been a completely worthless player so far in his career. Um, Obviously... (laughs) If they had traded the number one pick before they drafted him for that haul in return, it would have been a terrible trade. But um, that's how things have changed over the last year and a half. But um, I think Jonathan Simmons is a okay player. He's one of those guys who looks amazing when he plays for the Spurs. And then playing for anybody else, it's like uh, maybe he wasn't actually that good. But to get a couple of picks for Markel, I think, helps the Sixers, and it helps them. We were talking earlier about how they gave up a lot of their future assets in the Tobias deal, so I think this helps them kind of recoup some of those assets, gets a little bit um, of a safety net for the future if, like, Tobias and Jimmy both leave, for instance. So I think it's a nice trade for the Sixers, Obviously, they would have rather had Markel Fultz be what they expected him to be when they drafted him number one overall. But things happen. And maybe, you know, going to Orlando, getting some nice warm weather, change of scenery. Maybe he can make something out of his career plan for them. I they guess say once you see those palm trees, thing. you know, you really start. Uh, heals a multitude. Your shoulder of feels better. Yeah. Ailments. <laughs> 
I do think I was surprised that the Sixers were able to get a first round pick for him, honestly. So that was good for them. I don't honestly mind it for the Magic because, I mean, who cares, right? They're not good anyway, and they don't have a point guard. So if Mark Fultz turns out to be a good point guard, then they have a point guard. Should I say point guard one more time? So, <laughs> so I yes. don't mind it for either team, really. Any thoughts? Agreed. Do you, seem, do you seem okay? Good. I don't know. Just twirling his handlebar mustache, so I don't really know if he has any thoughts on it. I don't know. I I really don't. uh, I I just think Markel Fultz, at this point, I've heard enough reports. I don't even know if it's mental or physical or both, psychological. Just. With me, you, it's all three, I think, right, baby? Of course. (laughs) Spiritual, mostly. But. but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, or I think, for the 76ers, definitely they went out a lot here. They clear like nine or ten million in cap space. Yeah, that's true. He does make kind of a lot. Yeah, he does, and so that cap space is excellent. They got a first round pick back. Uh, Simmons has regressed a lot compared to last year. So I think he was at like twelve or thirteen points a game last year. This year he's not even at seven or eight. I think so. I don't know. Let's. I think Simmons just another. That's just bench depth for the 76ers at this point. So yeah, yeah. I think the 76ers once again looking looking pretty damn good. I mean, they got a player that doesn't play, and they or they got a player that does play back for a player that doesn't play. Well, that so, cardboard cutout was doing some wonders for them. Though. You prop them up in the quarter, <laughs> you can really do some damage. Uh, all right, last trade I wanted to talk about. The hometown Chicago Bulls with another head scratcher. Uh, <laughs> we we received Otto Porter Jr. from the Washington Wizards in return for Bobby Portis's uh, injured face from a punch from Nikola Mirotic and uh, Jabari Parker's reanimated corpse and also a 2023 20, second round pick. So I have questions. I'll admit it. Uh, number one, why? Number two. <laughs> Who do you think, Who do you, you, think you are? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for me, it's like Otto Porter is making $25 million a year, which some might say is a lot of money. Others. Others? Uh, he's definitely overpaid for what he is, unless he's your last piece on a playoff team, like a Tobias Harris, right? Or um, like a Harry B, you might say. But so what he is, is he's has a potential to be an elite three and D player with some off the bounce, you know, skills. That's a good thing to have as your fourth best player on a team with title aspirations. It is not a good thing to have on a tanking team who has no other good players. So, I mean, we do have a pretty good front court in Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. Um, but they're young and they're not there yet. Right. And we also just don't have a point guard to create for Otto Porter. You know, Otto Porter is not going to run your pick and roll. We have Chris Dunn, who's just fine, and we have Zach Levine, who just takes dribbles into long two-pointers and sometimes makes them. And um, and my concern is that Otto Porter is just good enough that he might win a couple games for us. This is what it's become like for a Bulls fan. This is just so sad. <laughs> he, he, he might be good enough that he, he helps us win a few games and then we don't get Zion Williamson with the number one pick. And that's really all I want, okay? I mean, we've... We've been through so much with this front office. They've made so many dumb mistakes. I thought we finally had a chance at the number one pick. And then we go out and get a $25 million a year player who's just good enough to win us two games and not get the first overall pick. So I'll admit I didn't love the trade. Kyle, uh, back you up here. 
You say you didn't love the trade? No. So I, mean, I don't think it's like I don't think it's I mean, awful. It doesn't probably really matter, but it's like why are we doing this? You know. In the grand scheme of things, no, it doesn't matter. Um, we needed to get that Jabari contract. Why it was made in the first place, I don't know, but we need to get that off our hands. Uh, so this let us do that for a serviceable NBA player. <laughs> um, Bobby looked good, you know, this year and last year, but he's probably wasn't going to be someone you were going to focus and build your team around. That was going to be Laurie, Levine, and Wendell Carter Jr. anyways. So, um, you know, they did what they had to do to get rid of a terrible contract. Uh Washington needed to get under the cap as well, so they had to get rid of Porter. Um, it's also a pretty bad contract, too. So it's like we just trade one bad contract for another one. Yeah, but we got a player that knows what he's doing on a on a basketball court now. Not if you shoot the lights out <laughs> so he can't see. Yeah, uh, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but it's like as long as we got guard packs in the front office, there's team isn't you know a destination for any free agent. Uh, especially when we have a coach that is more concerned about push-ups than winning NBA games. Um, hey, our players really, are going to be fit, okay? <laughs> really, this this team just needs a total revamp in the, the front office and the coaching um, to really be able to be anything. Um, right now, looking at the Tankathon website that shows like the percentage at the overall top pick, uh, Chicago's at 12.5% to get the number one overall, only behind Phoenix, New York, and Cleveland at 14%. But both of those teams, have, New York has lost 16 straight games, and Phoenix has lost 13 straight. Uh, I don't think New York has won since Matt on Idiot Corner declared them a playoff. <laughs> game, so. Matt just saved the Knicks' future is what he did. <laughs> yeah, but, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, the draft this year is full of very good players, in my opinion. Did you guys see what Zion did yesterday? Uh, that block? Oh, yeah, I saw that Dude. block. He was standing in the middle of the paint when someone got the ball at the three-point line in the corner. He caught it, and Zion is still in the middle of the paint. He took two steps and probably jumped about 33 feet into the air, and volleyball swatted. He extended and he just... <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen such an athletic play in all my life, except for the one time that I almost dunked. Oh, I remember. <laughs> it was a Drizzly Tuesday. Okay. All right, boys, any uh, – what's that? Going Seth? back to Jabari and Otto Porter. Yeah. So, I mean, I know I'm not as good of an in-podcast researcher as Kyle, but it looks like Jabari was making $20 million this year, and mm-hmm. then he has a team option for $20 million next year. Mm-hmm. So if they really wanted to get out of that contract, they just don't pick up that team option. Meanwhile, they're stuck paying Otto Porter $26 million this year, $27 million next year, and $28 million the year after that. Jesus that's what I'm saying. Christ. Man. But like I said, like it's not like the Bulls are looking to win now or even next year or the year after that. So Jabari Parker Why wasn't doing anything him, on... Well, Jabari wasn't doing anything on the basketball court, so this at least makes That's somewhat great. of an enjoyable basketball. If we're not trying to win, we want someone who doesn't do anything on the basketball court. Yeah, I would rather tank for four years in a row than get Otto <laughs> Look Porter at Otto Porter's stupid face. Seat. <laughs> I like I mean, Otto I'm not a player. Fan, so I, don't care. I wanted Otto to go to the Kings, 
before they got Harrison Barnes. That was my hope, but I I think I I don't like Otto Porter. He's like Wiggins, where it's just huge contract, very empty stats. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, Chicago's really screwing up over here with this I trade. Just, like, I'm fine with like rebuilding and tanking if I had any uh, hope that our front office was competent or that our coach was building a winning culture while that we're rebuilding. But I don't have any confidence in either of those things. So I mean, D- Davis sure. is from Chicago, and he ha- he literally has no intention. He'd rather he'd rather live in Milwaukee. <laughs> Beautiful sunny Milwaukee. <laughs> I love Milwaukee. I do love Milwaukee. All right, boys. Great any brewers. final thoughts, Seth? I know you have some. I do have a final thought. Thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> Very rare. I'm shocked. <laughs> I just wanted to mention the um, the All Star draft that happened on the day of the trade deadline, uh, which was I thought a lot of fun. Um, obviously, <laughs> they were kind of well. For anyone who watched, like I think Giannis was kind of had his own agenda. He drafted Chris Middleton first in the reserve draft, mm-hmm. and then traded LeBron. Like after they did the whole draft, LeBron proposed a trade so mm-hmm. that LeBron could get his clutch <coughs> colleague Ben Simmons and traded Russell Westbrook. And Giannis was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do it," even though he picked Ben Simmons before Russell Westbrook. So why would he <laughs> want to do that? But um, and Giannis drafted like almost all of the international players so I thought that was kind of nice and then the funniest moment for me was they get to the legacy section where basically they get to pick between D-Wade and Dirk Yeah. and LeBron gets the first pick and Ernie tees him up and says something about how you know I think we might know where you're going with this and LeBron's like yeah you know I think everyone in the world knows that I have got to pick my guy, Dirk. Uh, nah, I'm just kidding. D-Wade. <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Like, I started laughing. And... So, um, I thought that was nice. I think it was nice that it was televised this year. Yeah. But I think it's interesting to see, like, who the players want to play with and how they kind of have their rankings, even though some of it wasn't necessarily, like, constructing a team for the very best players. It was more like who you might want to play with and... Mm-hmm. Giannis getting his international boys. So, but that was fun. Yeah. That was really fun, actually. I love the Inside the NBA mm-hmm. crew. They uh, There yeah. was, a, I think, two jokes where one was Ernie or Chuck saying something about uh, LeBron giving up his entire bench for <laughs> for Anthony Davis. Davis. Yeah. And, and LeBron just, like, nervously takes a sip of water. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Second was, I think, when LeBron picked Davis, Giannis was like, are you sure this isn't tampering? And yeah. Like, <laughs> LeBron's response was, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, no said, tampering uh, in the All-Star. He said, there's no tampering Not in the All-Star yeah. break. <laughs> but he had to jumble his words at the beginning. He didn't know what to say. Giannis yeah. really got him there with a the zinger. Yeah. Savage by Giannis. All right, one, well, this has been a no, no. pleasure, guys. Except I have for one the, last thought. Kyle has one Kyle last has thought. Kyle has a final thought. Does I everyone have final thoughts? <laughs> um, I, I also have a final thought. Okay, Kyle, you go Based first. on, so Nicola now going to play in Milwaukee, Robin Lopez had a quote that said, I feel bad for Nico. He has to play with Bricky. You know what's even worse? He already got the superior experience of playing with me. Now he has to go and play with Brooke. It's like living in Fresno, but having to move to Clovis, which is a very small town <laughs> near Fresno. <laughs> 
That's a niche <laughs> reference, too. I love him, dude. Uh, my final thought. Alright, AD, let's hear your final thought. My final thought. I was I, I think I'd ask this on the group me, but I wanted to know uh Fox versus Mitchell. What are, who who would you rather build around? What are your thoughts between them? Because Mitchell was really far ahead last year, but Mitchell hasn't really progressed. I would say he's even he's come down a little bit. He's not as efficient and he's still taking crazy amount of shots, whereas Fox is leading his team into a playoff seed uh, and is a leader already of that team. So just wanted to get your thoughts. I wouldn't be disappointed if I had either to build around, but um, I would probably say Fox would be easier to build around because he's a better playmaker, um, and Donovan is just mostly a pure scorer. But um, it depends if I need a, if I need a heavy dose of scoring and someone who can uh, – take a shot at the end of the game or if I need someone who uh, can distribute for my team and um, run a pick and roll. So I wouldn't be disappointed with either player, but I'd probably pick Fox in that scenario. I lean to Fox as well. Fox is a stogie boy, so, you know, <laughs> I got to stick with my guys. Seth, why don't you just go ahead and play devil's advocate here? What? Why don't you go ahead and play devil's advocate here? Well, uh, Donovan Mitchell went to high school with one of my college friends, so ipso facto. Nice brag <laughs> about knowing someone that knows Donovan Mitchell. Humble brag. <laughs> I didn't even think they like they went to high school together, but they didn't like know each other at all. Um, <laughs> I think there's this whole thing about the sophomore slump. I think the people are talking about with Mitchell and with Tatum, and I think really it's more that they just didn't take a leap forward like we maybe hoped or expected so i think mitchell would still be a better like high volume scorer but i like fox's defense and speed and i could see why a team would want to build around him more but Mm -hmm. mitchell might be able to like take over a game more than fox can now yeah i could see that all right boys it's been a pleasure uh, Aditya, thanks for coming on as a guest. Thank you for having me, guys. Always appreciate it. Pleasure to look at all your beautiful faces. Baby. Uh, Kyle, you know what happened on the third day? I think he rose again. <laughs>